Episode 74, Conscious Parenting. Hello out there, beautiful souls. It is another beautiful day. I think I say that a lot, but I actually mean it. Every day I wake up, every day I take a deep breath, every day I just think about how much life I've gotten to experience on this planet. I'm very grateful for it. And if that's not you, that's okay. Keep on trying though. Because it's just so sweet to enjoy as many days as we possibly can on this planet. So today's episode is very, very, very near and dear to me, having three children, one from my first marriage and two from my second marriage, and now being on my third marriage. Not having any more children. That was decided when my daughter was born and I had a vasectomy after she was born because I knew that I needed to keep myself from the potential of any more children. There's only so much and so far you can spread yourself. Um, there's only so much you can do and so far you can spread yourself before you have a difficult time keeping up. And I truly, truly envy people that can have like 10 to 13 children and actually still be conscious parents of all of them, which is extremely rare and incredibly impressive because you really have to raise your family like a village at that point. <laughs> the reason this subject is so incredibly deep to me is that I felt very disturbed by the way I was raised as a kid. And I had a lot of trauma in my teenage years as a result of those frustrations. As my analytical mind developed, as I started taking a look at my childhood compared to other children, that's when that starts to really happen the most is when you start to be somewhere in the neighborhood of I guess anywhere between 11 and 14 really depending on your developmental stages but 13 is the average for that and I really just felt like my parents could have done a better job This was my teenage viewpoint. And it wasn't until I got clean from drug addiction through those teenage years and through all the anger and hurt and rage and misunderstanding and blame and guilt and all of that stuff and shame. So I got through the other side of that that I was able to take a look at things from a completely different perspective. 
and two books that I read that really helped me to gain that different perspective in addition to the step work that I did in the Narcotics Anonymous program when I was going there, the fourth step moral inventory, was, were, the books Radical Forgiveness by Colin Tipping and the book Anger by Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a beautiful monk from a Vietnamese village called Plum Village. And both of these authors had significant insights on how to be able to forgive and understand and have compassion for my parents. Knowing that my parents did the best they could with what they had, and knowing that my parents were also once children that were raised by parents in a different generation. And my parents' generation was even more impoverished than my generation was. My grandfather watched a lot of sports. He was into bowling, he was into boxing, he was into gardening. And he liked driving big boats for cars. Remember he had a big old Chevy Caprice, old school ones, I don't know, late 60s, early 70s style. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I know it was this big blue boat thing with a beige top. And my grandmother cooked and cleaned and never worked a day in her life. And I don't actually even know what my grandfather did for a living for work. Something I never even thought to ask my father because he was retired from the age that I remembered him from. And my grandfather smoked his cherry tobacco pipes in the basement. And I remember playing pool in my grandparents' basement, which was also my father's basement because he lived with my parents after my parents, his parents after my parents divorced. Uh, and I just remember the smell. I loved the smell of that cherry tobacco. But as a kid at that time, when I was, before I was a teenager, I had no idea that I was inhaling toxic fumes that could cause problems later on in life. And I did smoke cigarettes for a very, very long time. Uh, as a matter of fact, right up until recently, when I had finally, uh, about a year ago, had finally smoked my very last cigarette. And I placed that blame, being a cigarette smoker, on my father because my father smoked two and a half packs of cigarettes a day for most of my childhood in the car, in the basement, wherever we were. He just always had a cigarette in his hand. I blamed my anger, my impatience, my intolerance on my mother because she had high anxiety and constant depression and frustration and fear 
of the world around her. My father had OCDs. My father had some very quirky behaviors. Very forthright and forthcoming in approaching conversation with any random stranger as if he's known them forever. And I saw all of these things as bad. When I read these books and I did this fourth step inventory and I took a look back at all of the experiences of my life, I started to understand why my parents raised me the way that they did. And why am I telling you about how my parents raised me if I'm talking about conscious parenting? You would think I'd start talking about my own children first. But the reason why is because if I could not forgive my parents and I could not understand my parents a little bit more on how they did what they did and why they did what they did, it's a lot harder for me to not repeat what I saw as mistakes in my own life with my own children without doing that, right? That's my point here. If I hadn't decided to take that radical forgiveness approach and say, what they did had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with them and how they were raised and what their understanding of life was. If I could not approach that past like that, then I would be destined to repeat those same mistakes with my own children. And I knew that I wanted something more, something different, something better for my children. So that's the first part of conscious parenting. If you struggle to raise your children and you're having a really difficult time and they are repeating past behaviors, they are repeating some of the things that you've done and you can't even recognize that. Some of us aren't even conscious enough to recognize that our, parent, our children are making the same mistakes as us and that's why it pisses us off so much. I don't necessarily go through that. I'm laughing a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm laughing a little bit because I know some parents that struggle in that way and that don't understand that. And sometimes I've tried to give them a little bit of this advice and not everybody's open to it right away. And that's okay too, I guess. Everyone has a right to choose to live the way they want. That's why we all have this free will. But for those of us who want to raise conscious children that are available to bring to this world what this world needs, that can be conscious partners in society with the earth and with sustainability in mind, if you want that for your children, then keep listening here. This is really important. So forgiving my parents, understanding where they come from, and knowing 
that I want my children to have the best life that they can possibly have sets me up for a beautiful paradigm of being a parent. This paradigm has made parenting enjoyable, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how selfless I've had to be, no matter the fact that I didn't think that I actually wanted to have children. I have become so incredibly grateful to be a parent. I get the opportunity to teach my children the things that I have learned and the things that I am continuing to learn as I remain conscious of being a living, breathing example of what I believe the right thing is to do or the right things are to do. And so the next part, and this is a very, very difficult one, but it makes it a lot easier if you've done that first, those first few parts. <laughs> I will tell you that. But this next part is, we would do well to not try to put our heads on our children's little bodies. What I mean by that is, my children, as much as the word mini-me is very funny since Austin Powers came out, <laughs> they're not little mini-me's, even if they look very similar to you as they continue to grow older. They look very similar as a combination of, of you and your spouse or your partner or the other parent. Just because they look like you does not mean that they are supposed to relive what you lived and do it differently. That's not even possible, first of all. The world is so much different as change is constantly evolving through each and every generation. Sure, there's commonalities. Sure, there is ancestral energy. And that's another thing that I would love to have a, another future podcast about in the future is ancestral energy. But they're not reliving your life. And I think that's a very, very important distinction to make. It is not about ensuring that they do not make the same mistakes you did. When you focus on that, just like everything else I've talked about, about what you hold in mind, see how this all always comes back and connects together? If you're thinking about your mistakes, and you're seeing your children thinking that they're going to make the same mistakes, all you can bring into that situation is your projections of what your experiences were. So it's not about forcing your children to do better than you did. 
It's not about being a better soldier, a better militant soldier than your parents were. It's not about just providing them with more money or more activities or more friends or more popularity. All of those things look wonderful. You can kind of call that keeping up with the Joneses. We've heard that. At least I've heard that through much of my lifetime. I haven't heard it in quite a long time, so I'm probably dating myself now. But it's not about keeping up with the Joneses. Or maybe in modern times, keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> Lord knows I'm not looking for my children to keep up with the Kardashians. <laughs> this world needs conscious society that is not focused on distraction and competition and looking better than one another. This world requires innovation creativity, and brand new ideas. As many of us that have lived on the same old ideals for so long are watching the state of the world that we're in right now in terror, saying, holy shit, what did we do as a society? Is it really man's fault that global warming is taking such a nasty toll right now? Unfortunately, I believe a lot of that is, but I'm not a scientist and I'm going to leave that to the scientists to figure out. But I will say that perhaps my children could be those scientists in the future. And so what does conscious parenting look like without putting my head on my children's shoulders, without being a militant general, whipping them into shape? What does conscious parenting look like without me obsessing over giving them everything that I didn't have? Well, this is my best guess. I believe that the most important thing that we can do, first of all, is still continue to try to be better human beings from everything that we have experienced and learned up to the point of becoming a parent. Continue to grow and change and evolve and work on self. And I hear so many parents including my second ex-wife for a while. I believe she's coming around a little bit now, truthfully, now that my kids are teenagers. But so many people I have heard say, oh, I'm raising children now. My life is all about my children. I am 100% invested in them. I have no time for me. I have no time to take care of myself. It is time for me to be selfless. 
and they wear this, like this massive badge of honor. And I notice a lot of times for parents to keep up with something like that, they're taking medications to keep up, taking anti-anxiety medication such as Lexapro or something like that, or even their children's Ritalin or whatever has replaced that these days. There is this huge, huge move to diagnose so many children with ADHD or ADD, so attention deficit disorder or attention hyperactivity disorder of some sort. I know that the, that's a little off, but you get the point. I'm not trying to focus on ADD and ADHD today. I'm focusing on conscious parenting. <laughs> no, refocus. No ADD. <laughs> but the parents have a very difficult time. They get angry. They use alcohol. They use drugs. They use all kinds of distractions. They use wearing badges of honor about being in competition with the parents that they couldn't outrun on the track field or couldn't outcompete on the softball field or as a cheerleader or whatever it may be. Becoming soccer moms and driving every single parent, every single child in the neighborhood back and forth to soccer practice. <laughs> right, there's all this craziness. And much of the world looks at that style of parenting and that selflessness, supposed selflessness, as the right way to raise parents, to raise children. And let me tell you that another little phrase from childhood comes back to mind. And that is if you're friend is going to jump off a bridge, are you going to follow him? And I have a lot of wise-ass friends today that would say, well, if I had a bungee cord, sure. <laughs> Why not? But my point is, just because every parent around you might seem to look like they're consciously parenting their child by being a popular parent, by being involved in the PTA, by being involved in coaching their soccer teams or driving them back and forth. A lot of times these parents are doing that and forgetting to develop compassion in their children, forgetting to spend quality time together with their children as a family. Forgetting to ask the children what they really want to do. So, my point is that it really is a fine line. It really is a balancing act. And we do need to raise our children consciously to be active, participants in not just their physical fitness 
and getting them back and forth to school and ensuring that they have good grades. But paying attention to their emotional stability, their emotional connections, their ability to be compassionate and connected to the natural world that gives us breath and life. And teaching them to think for themselves and learn what they truly want to explore. All of these things are crucially important, along with one last amazing step. That one last part that I want you to think about is each and every single one of us humans, no matter what age we are, has some unique gift, some unique expression, a spark that may come out and contribute massively to what this world needs, to the evolution of our species, to the conscious human connection that I do believe we should not eliminate. And I have noticed so many things have gotten in the way of making this easy. Now, like I said, this is not about easy. This is not about repeating the past. And it's not about not embracing change either. It is about embracing change. It is about embracing new ways of doing things. That much is true. But one thing that I do feel is a shame is that the way our society is set up, at least here in New Jersey, in America, because to be fair, this is the only state that I've ever lived in, even though I've visited other countries and other states. I've been all around the country and only out of the country a small handful of times. But to be fair, here in New Jersey, what I've watched happen over the last 20 years is it is so difficult to find a 40-hour-a-week job that's Monday through Friday around the same time that children would be in school that has great benefits and that provides enough money for a household to consciously raise children and to live like a family. And that really is something that I would love to see somebody come up with some ideas around bringing that back in and ensuring that we can still have healthy family lives. And now as sad and scary as this whole COVID-19 thing has been, one of the amazing gifts that I have seen out of it that has been birthed out of that 
is that families have spent quality time together, some of them almost by force. They didn't have a choice being quarantined together, having to spend time with family, having to spend time with your husband or wife or children on a regular basis again. Because our society in, in, in this country, in this state, let's face it, has made it very difficult for you to just have that quality family time. And it has also, the distractions that have been put out there have made it easier for children to be distracted in video games or YouTube videos or Snapchat or Instagram or any other social media platform. Not saying those things are bad. I'm on, I'm on social media in a sense right now, giving this presentation to you. However, we have to be able to at least acknowledge that spending quality time with family and consciously raising our children is very difficult in this society where we are constantly available. Everybody has Everybody's just a phone call away, a text message away, an email away, a social media alert away, a calendar alert away from being overburdened, overdistracted, and unable to focus on the moment and spend quality time with family, away from electronics sometimes, and even while being present with electronics. I do believe there's a middle ground. I do believe there is a way that we can return to some of those family values. And we can still return to family values while accepting people for being non-binary, gay, lesbian, whatever you want to do. If you want to raise a family and be two mothers or two fathers or to non-binary parents for all that matter. Sure, that all could be a possibility. Each is going to come with their own set of challenges and consciously raising children and helping them to contribute to where we're at. But I do believe that the days of individual expression without being consciously connected to the whole are really wearing thin because we definitely still need to unify together not just as families not just as conscious parents but as conscious members of a society where the natural world is really about to start causing us to I hate to say it, but to die a lot faster than COVID ever could have made it happen. And I don't want to leave it on a bleak note. <laughs> I'm not, not trying to be bleak here. Um, but we need to be aware of what kind of world we're living in and try to teach our children to be conscious co-creators. Try to teach them to be more compassionate, to be connected in community. Again, allowing them to flourish with their own unique gifts 
but making sure that we are setting the example of being present and conscious. Not always easy to do. But I do believe that it's, me- it's what we are meant to do as human beings. If it wasn't, then we would all just live out like the animal kingdom. And even the animal kingdom, as I've said as well, other times, lives in harmony with nature, lives in harmony with community, automatically. They don't have a self-will that pulls them away from doing that. The only animal that I can think of that seems to do the opposite of that lately are these lantern flies. I swear sometimes I feel like they might have been genetically engineered like the love bug in a lab somewhere. Because it doesn't make sense for it to just them just tear down all sorts of nature that contributes to life. But other than lantern flies and cockroaches and mosquitoes, human beings seem to be the only really difficult strain on Mother Nature. So raise your kids consciously. Raise them with this in mind that if they want to see future generations, if they want to be able to have children who have children who have children. Our children need to be conscious. Our children need to be connected. They do not need to repeat who you are. So allow your children to be exactly who they are. Lead by example of what this world needs. And I think we might just have a chance at not only surviving in this society, but thriving once again as a human species. So that is all for today. I thank you very, very much for listening. I love you all. Stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Stay conscious. Namaste.